0: Thanks for coming out, boy. This is this is great. David in the back row, would you would you kick us off with uh, with prayer? Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, David. Well, welcome. Thanks for coming. The uh, uh, what we're gonna go through uh, is just something. It's kind of a it's kind of a process I went through over a few years. Just starting with a couple of different kind of nuggets, and both of the, it's two different real nuggets of thoughts. Those two ended up kind of intersecting uh, at some point in that, and uh, and this is kind of what fell out. I hope it makes hope it makes sense. Hope you uh, I hope it's edifying, uh, most of all. And uh, we'll just we'll just jump right in. We're shooting for uh, six weeks, and there's a quick topical outline here on this. Now we're try not to get too much into the outline. This was uh, just kind of a recap that I gave to the elders of kind of what we're going to be doing. That's, we're not going to be following that. It will, it will help you try to keep me honest on this. But the reason I'm passing, passing this out right now is there's a point at the top of this that's kind of the premise that uh, that, that everyone can uh, can see. I made, I think, 15 copies, and I thought I thought that was optimistic. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know. Did you do a head count? One, two, three. 26, 27. Uh yeah, that'd be so Yeah, that's it. So uh make uh make 10 15 uh, more of those and we'll we'll go with that. The um just the the part at the top of this, you really don't even have have to pa- uh make a handout out of this. But the the point kind of that we're going to get into on this, the point is that no one is called to be less than a full-time Christian. No one is called to be less than an all-in Christian. No one is called to be a non-fruit-producing Christian. No part of my call is less than 24-7, 365. No part of my call is less than 100% committed. And no part of my call is to be a fan, an admirer, or a cheerleader of those actually doing the work. So it's it's kind of the, it's. I was having a discussion in a uh, uh, ministry group a few years ago that was kind of one of these nuggets, and it was the, the discussion ended up being about the concept that at some point in our walk in my walk the the light bulb kind of goes off and it's like okay I get it I'm not a member of this exclusive group in say Texas stadium in the seats watching the people down here there's no call that's to be in the seats watching even if you've got the best seats in the house or the or the closest seats to the 50 yard lines or somehow you're the you've got the seats right behind the uh the the uh, benches or whatever there's there's no part of that there's no part that's um, no part of our call biblically is is to be a fan i mean that that word's not used uh in the in the bible that's uh, uh that I can you know, be aware of the uh so it's just that that it was that concept so so this first nugget started off with just a casual discussion about what are we called what what is our call uh, that I was having with someone and I had been, I'd been a believer for 20 years by this point, or something. I mean, so this wasn't, you know, I wasn't the newbie, but it was still a piece that I never really got my arms around about. Well, what, what exactly, what, you know, what are we kind of called to do here? Now, second part of that, let's look at uh, John chapter seven, or I'm sorry, 17. I'll be flipping around. The uh, I may annoy you with my glasses coming on and off, as some of you may know. I've had several eye surgeries. And I now have awesome vision. Thank you, Lord. Um, But they haven't stabilized enough to where I've bought the expensive progressive lenses. So I'm, I just, but it's cheaper to have them in like every prescription that I need for every different distance. So, so I just flip on and off and I only brought one pair with me. I didn't bring the the super close up. So the, um, we're going to hit this real briefly. We're going to hit several different, this this is just a concept we're going to get into real, real briefly here. John 17 is Jesus' longest prayer, right? We all, we all know that. You've read it many times, I'm sure. Um, there's two parts to this prayer, and where we're going is that part of the, part of the reason for, for this uh, class, for, for what I went through, was my realization that there's not a third part to the prayer. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. So, Jesus prays for himself, starting in uh, 17.1. Father, the time has come. Just to set We're not going to work through all, this, all the verses here at all. Just to set the stage, you can imagine the seriousness of this moment. Father, the time has come. And then Jesus makes two, there's two prayers. First, he prays for his disciples. In verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. And Jesus goes on to pray for the disciples. Now, starting in verse 20, Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So you've got the disciples and then, and then the believers that came to follow through the disciples. And he prays for them. In 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. The them now is the believers, not the disciples. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is Jesus talking about the believers, not the disciples, the believers, that that God has loved them even as you have loved me. This goes on. Now, what's the third part I'm talking about that's missing? The third part of the prayer that's not there is the prayer that I would have looked for for years in my life, the part of the prayer that says, and Father, I thank you for the people that a couple of thousand years from now will follow you with a a partial commitment, and they'll have given up a couple of pet sins, at least in some level. They will uh, attend church at least a couple hours most weeks, and uh, I thank you, Father, for not making them change their ways uh, any more than they wanted to change. And I thank you for allowing them to stay on the, the path that they were on, that they found comfortable. Okay, that part's not here. See that that part's not here. And at some point, at some point, I was reading in, in John 17 there, and it just you just I just started to feel like this isn't written. This second part of this, the prayer that was praying for the believers, that's written for people with a different walk than I had. And like something's not right. I'm not finding the amateur fan in the stands prayer to be thankful for. And, and that just started, in the, and I don't mean that that was a great revelation and I, and I hit my knees and cried and my life changed. I don't mean that. I mean it planted a seed to where it was like, okay, wait a minute, let me think about this. Because, again, this, I wasn't like a new believer at this point. So I was just planting the seed of like, okay, wait, well, what is, what exactly, and that began the question, what exactly are we called to? Uh, and then I started kind of, kind of pursuing that. Now, so we're going to go and look at, at scriptures talking about our call. And our call is actually going to be a, briefer part of this, uh, this class than you would, than you'd probably think. And we're not going to be hitting anything different. This isn't anything um, you haven't seen before. It's just kind of uh, uh, compiled in one place maybe. So you say, what are we called to? I mean, that, that's a common question. That is, speaking of amateur hour, that is kind of an amateur hour question. A lot of people want to find out uh, a lot of new questions. What am I called to? Am I called to go be um, uh, 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 a missionary in Mozambique? You know, I have this very specific question. Um, if, um, oh, I got a job offer in Kansas City. Should I take that job offer in Kansas City? Is that what god's calling me to do well there's a there's a good news and bad news is you're not going to find the word Kansas City in the Bible okay the uh, you're not going to find a specific answer to that and you we get there uh, in kind of a different direction that's the point here would be that's not exactly what the biblical call as uh, it's written in the Bible most of the time is not really referring to should I do this or should I do that. Our call is, is uh, more generic, and I mean that in the good use of generic. It's this, it's this global, universal thing here. Uh, the first one, uh, Romans 5. Anyone want to read the, the Romans 5? I believe these are NIV. Uh, I didn't write that, and I should have. Yeah, sure, if you would. Okay, through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Right, so we're called to what we're called to the obedience that comes from faith. There's many other references where we're where call and obedience are are tied uh, directly like that uh next one Romans one six someone want to read that one right, so we're called to belong to christ uh romans one seven called to be saints that is Romans you got one five one six one seven. Um, I think when Paul does this a lot where he'll use the same word in a cluster in one area. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm guessing that's not exactly an accident. He's doing that. He wants to bring attention to that word. This section is highly about that word, whatever he does that. He does that in many different places. Um, I'll I'll just go through the next uh, couple of these uh, quickly. The first Corinthians 2, we are called to be holy. Ephesians 1.18, we are called to know the hope. Ephesians 4.3.5, we are called to one hope. 1 Peter 2.21, we're called to suffer for doing good and endure it and to follow in the steps of Christ. Now, that's, that's a, little less, uh, a little less popular. but uh, uh, So if we check this, just reading from the top to the bottom in, that, in the column here of what we're called to, we're called to the obedience that comes from faith, to belong to Christ, to be saints, to be holy, to know the hope, to one hope, and to suffer for doing good and enduring it, and to follow in the steps of Christ. While we're digging in the uh, uh, the call, the next the next three here, uh, someone want to read the first Corinthians one. called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Right. We are called by the will of God, or Paul was. Galatians 1:6 Would someone like to read that? Right. So we're called by the grace of Christ, in Galatians 1.15, right. So, so we're called by who? The by who? We're called by the will of God, by the grace of Christ, and by His grace. So we see these uh, going together. Um, there's there's many other references. This isn't this isn't. I mean, I don't want to represent this as anything you haven't seen before or anything uh, mind boggling, but just kind of encapsulating it. Um, the 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 bottom line. Will be we're called to follow and obey would be the the general I mean if you had to come up with a, a, a two word summary three word follow and obey I guess would be um, throughout the Bible the closest thing to nailing it when you're talking about a glo- or global call not again not G U Timothy we'll do this do this you you but we're called to follow and obey and again now that's not anything that's not anything earth shaking here um, the parts I think that are most interesting about that. It's down in um, in Romans 8.30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I think what's interesting about that is that shows the universal aspect of this call. In other words, back to my discussion on John 17 about the different categories, there was the disciples, then there was the people the disciple loved. There wasn't the third tier of people that that are non-committed going to church once in a while. That's no known tier. That, that tier doesn't exist. And it's the same thing. This, uh, Romans 8.30, uh, for those who predestined he called, those who called he justified. This is, this is a universal call. Everyone is called to this universal call of to follow and obey. Again, so sorry if you came here thinking, I want to find out if I'm called to go to Mozambique. You know, that is between you and God. That is, that is your task. That would be something... If, if, if you believe God wants you to do that, and that you need, then you need to obey God and do that. But that's different than the call. Does that make sense? The other part of that, I think the part that's so easy to get wrong regarding call, and, and young people do this especially, and I did this when I was young. Um, we want our call to be something that we see on a piece of paper or granite would be nice, that outlines the next 50 years for us, and it's step by step by step. And when I'm 22, you should go to seminary at so and so. When you're 25, you will meet a great young woman named. When you are 28, when you I will have your course outlined, and you will do this. One problem is there is no biblical example of that course being laid out in advance. There's just it just doesn't it just doesn't exist. Jim. Yeah, there are some uses that are the um, where this person's called to be a teacher. I mean, those do exist. You can go through a concordance; there'll be those. Um, There'll also be um, even more casual uses of it that aren't the 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 spiritual call. So you kind of the the word has a few different. I didn't like chase the Greek on those to find out are those is that the same Greek behind these. But yeah, there'll be different references that are kind of the. Uh, the quick thing. What there, what there really aren't many of, is examples where it's where you where it's given that it's a call to this task. Like again, say, you know, say, and you, you know, you need to go to Mozambique. I mean, that's just not laid out very much. There's a, there's a couple of those. And I think what they're referring to are actual gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit as He wills. Right. So that, that's not a, call, a universal call to anybody. Right, 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 right. Those are Very specific gifts. Right. But also at the same time, now along that line, since you mentioned gifts, if someone has the gift, name a spiritual gift: giving. Giving. If someone has the spiritual gift of giving, they don't need to be called specifically to give. They're, if they're a believer, and that's their spiritual gift. If they're following and obeying, they should be giving. So do you see what I'm saying? It's so, so it's still universal. It's, it's, yeah, it's doing what your spiritual gift is. It's doing what other spiritual gifts are. It's doing these things. So it doesn't need, in other words, it doesn't need um, gods to tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, I know you have this gift. I know you've just been waiting to release it. Um, yes, go. No, you should, you know, that's, do it. That's your, that's, that's your thing. If if you're a believer, we're to follow and obey to the best of our ability. Now, the the what does it mean to obey, and how do we discern what it is to obey? That's a giant class coming somewhere down the road. That uh, that someone with a higher pay grade than me gets to figure out and, and discern. I don't I don't have that yet. I'm I'm. I hope to get more of that, uh but that's that's the because there's a lot of different takes on that. I guess so far, what I would offer on that would be what it's not, and I know what it's not what it's not is god God requires us to have a daily relationship with him, and our obedience has to be a daily of, of to relation it's relational obedience and so I don't know about you, but if God gave me a twenty year plan, I would probably look at it and go, "Wow, I can do nothing for like at least the next month." You know, and then I'll get right back on that. You know. And I'm sure I would have a great relationship over the next month. No, 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 we're not called to that. We're called to follow one day at a time, you know, kind of, one of the old hymns. We're called these things. That's it's a relationship. Uh it's the so the discernment that we're looking for is a discernment at the daily following level. Uh it, he just may Not. I think my my guess is it's unusual for someone to ever get anything of the long term nugget that yes here is what you will be doing in 30 years and you know just I I mean I I won't say that doesn't happen a lot of things happen I don't I don't think that's I think that's rare enough that that's not worth studying Do you know what I mean Because I think that's not what I'm supposed to be working on tomorrow. If God happens to bring that as a gift tomorrow, that'd be great, but that's not, that's not my job to figure that out, uh, or, to, or I should say to, to learn how to look at the clouds and figure out what shape in the cloud means that I need to do this or that. I think my job is, is, is simpler, and it's more, more day-to-day. So the more I got into trying to refine this, because, again, that's not very satisfying. You know, I'm trying to learn more about, about my call. And you, know, you get this 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 short answer that I gave you that's the universal global call um, to follow and obey. Well, that's I don't want to say unsatisfying, but I mean that was just not what I was kind of kind of you know what I was looking for in, in a way. And uh, funny how that works sometimes. The um, so trying to study that that got me into reading um, some Tozer, and Tozer. When you when, so so in other words, the position I'm in at this point is I'm like okay, so let's see. I just really need to understand more about God. Well, this guy's in Tozer, the guy the named Tozer starts coming up. We start talking about that, and Tozer is a person. He just wanted to know God. That was his that was his passion. The uh, he's got many books that are amazing. The one that we'll be um, working out of a lot of this uh, for the next uh, six weeks the pursuit of God specifically. There's other ones, if like knowledge of the holy, the attributes of God. Um, he has many books. Everything I've read is great. I have read a small sample. This one is the easiest, hardest hitting bite-sized chunks that hit me between the eyes. The other ones will be ones that you ponder more. They're a little they're a little more difficult to read. Um, my uh, father-in-law is going through one of them and he's a pretty bright guy and he's having some difficulties and just with some of the, just Tozer being being Tozer, some of the stuff's a little bit uh, uh, more difficult than, uh, than a lot of people are probably expecting. This one, The Pursuit of God, is the one where he just comes in, guns a and right off, and it's all about knowing God. So during this, so just picture kind of this, I didn't call it a pursuit of God, but I'm kind of just trying to figure out, i got these couple of nuggets I'm trying to figure out. The... Um, don't forget, there's a there's a reason that, that this is called the depth of our call, as opposed to what's your call. Um, the depth, the depth was the part that I was challenged with. That's the part from the missing part of John 17, you know, where it's like, wait a minute, it seems like everybody they're referring to here. All I can see, the only biblical examples of following I can find are a disciple-like following. I don't, I, I can't find the amateur hour follower. I can't find any examples of the guy in the bleachers you know that that punches in and uh, says wow that was a great game today. I don't see any of those. This is like wait a minute. Um am I is this going where I think it's going? Oh man. You know. So so with that in mind, get into Tozer. Now Tozer um I'll give you just kind of the setup of basically a a, a chapter in a in a sentence or two just for the first part of this. So Tozer's own intro here. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God. So the Bible is a means to bring men to the knowledge, to a satisfying and intimate knowledge of God, that they may enter into Him and that He may delight, that they may delight in His presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God Himself in the core and center of their hearts. That's a that's a two-page intro, uh, uh, shortened up. Now. The first chapter he calls following hard after God. It's about serious, serious pursuit. He mentions a uh, longing that we are required, that we need, if we're going to find a detailed, the uh, intimate knowledge of God, that we have to long for that. In other words, I think what he doesn't say it, but I think what he means is if you're not longing hard for it, it's not going to happen, so just put the book down and go back to watching CSI or you know whatever, you know like, like it's over. Now, do you have that longing or not? Um, and so he talks about uh, uh, this, uh, this longing we need to have. Here's, here's something that he says that in our world we just don't see anyone really hammer this home the way he does. Hang on, listen, listen to the point at the end of this paragraph. The moment the Spirit has quickened us to life and regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. So the moment. That is the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. It is, however, not an end but an inception, for now begins the glorious pursuit. And it's kind of like, oh. No, I knew that and I had absorbed that, but I've never. I don't think since I'd ever been saved. I don't think I'd ever had someone word it that way that, like, Great now now the game's starting. This wasn't the this isn't the finale. Great now you're saved. Now you get to go sit down. No 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 you're just you just started. I even knew and I've uh, I've done a lot of teaching. I I would have you know, taught about you know the, the milk uh, mother's milk versus meat and the this and the that and you're just a bit. Ba- I mean yeah I, I got I got all of that, um, but it's still surprising to really hear it like made official like okay that's that's the that's the moment now begins the glorious pursuit. Now, the, um, let me give you, a, give you a hint. So that's chapter one is about this, this longing. In chapter two in this book, we're going we're gonna to spend at least a couple of weeks on chapter two in this book because it's on a topic. It's on one thing that Tozer thinks is so important and we're, and we're so bad about it and it's just this giant furball of a problem. And he starts ramping up to it in chapter 1 here. So see if you can can tell where we're heading. This is the last couple of pages of chapter 1. If we would find God amid all the religious externals, we must first determine to find him and then proceed in the way of simplicity. Skipping down. We must strip down to essentials, and they will be found to be blessedly few. We must put away all effort to impress. Let's skip down. The author of the quaint old English classic, The Cloud of the Unknowing, teaches us how to do this. Lift up thine heart unto God with a meek stirring of love, and mean himself and none of his goods. Next paragraph. Again, he recommends that in prayer we practice a further stripping down of everything. A couple of paragraphs later. When the Lord divided Canaan among the tribes of Israel, Levi received no share of the land. God said to him simply, I am thy part and thine inheritance. At the end of that paragraph. And there is a spiritual principle here, a principle still valid for every priest of the Most High God. That is, the man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. Many ordinary treasures may be denied him, or if he is allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary to his happiness. Or, if he must see them go one after one, he will scarcely feel a sense of loss. This is him. Can you can you tell where we're going? Can you tell where this? Is, what chapter two? This is him ramping up to chapter two. Chapter two is the tyranny of things. Okay. It's just he gets he gets into this, and this is going to be you, you know. um, I was joking with someone yesterday that you know the way the way Paul when Paul makes points in the Bible a lot, you know, it's very often it's it's just like in business school writing, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something, or I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you, then I'm gonna tell you, and then I'm gonna tell you what you told you. That kind of thing. Paul Paul does that. In Paul's versions, a lot of times it'll be so therefore, here's the point. What I mean by that is, here's the point. What I don't mean by that is here's the point. So in conclusion you're know, like, okay, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I need that. I don't know about you all. I need it uh, on those things because that will be, you know, maybe it will be the fourth time or something where I'll be like, oh, you know, I think Paul's talking about this. Like... <laughs> so this is one of those. Look at the, uh, check the highlighter out. I mean, in this, we're just, each of these is a big meaty point of, of him still ramping up. And he's, he's ramping up over what he, what he calls the tyranny of things. He says, Our woes began... No, yeah I'm back up even Before the Lord God made man on the, upon the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of creation, these are called simply things. They were man, made for man's uses, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to him. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without, the old meaning meaning outside him, outside, so within him was God, outside him a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Does anyone feel the need to disagree with that? No. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just so like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and what we'll get into for the next couple of weeks is all the ways that things have taken over us. Uh, and not, because that's, that's a separate thing that I pondered at length, um, just all these different ways. Men have now, by nature, no peace within their hearts, for God is crowned there no longer. But there, in the moral dusk, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for first place on the throne. So things in us are fighting for first place on the throne. Now, I don't know how loud I don't know how loud Tozer spoke when he was speaking, but he just sounds like he is just just notching it up. This is not a mere metaphor but an accurate analysis of our spiritual trouble. He's got eight notches to go on here. He gets, he gets going. The roots of our hearts have grown down into things, and we dare not pull, one up, uh, pull up one rootlet lest we die. Things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. He's got a couple of long examples there, and he says, the way to deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and the abnegation of all things. Abnegation means just, just the shunning of all things. Things don't matter. Stepping away from things in all forms. Just things, things are a problem. We've made things a problem. And you say, well, things aren't inherently bad. No. No, that's not the point. The point's not that things are inherently bad. The point is we've messed up. Where these things are at, and how we and how we view them, uh, and we've messed it up in in lots of different ways. About Some pastors would say that. I mean, you could, you could make that case. Um, I think. I have to say, I think I've heard the the things as idolatry sermon. I think I've I've heard those different times over my life, and I think I've heard them pushed a little farther than. In in other words, I. I think we're convicted enough by what we do with things just on its own. And that, in other words, even without me calling it an idol or the debate of, well, is it really an idol if it's this or that or if this or that? Because we're going to get into some different, different aspects of it that to me are really convicting. And the reason I mention that is I can almost talk myself out of being guilty of idolatry. See, I could have a really nice car and tell myself, well, I don't, idol my car. I don't idolize my car. My car is not my idol. No, there's no way. So I can I can tell myself that, but uh, David and I were talking uh, one of our days down heading down to the or at the prison that the uh, one of the examples on that summary sheet. You know I'm a I'm I'm an engineer personality wise I'm an engineer from way back and by golly I'm from one of the finest engineering schools on the planet. Okay, so so Paul and I get along we 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 can brag all about our. You know where we're from and the teachers we've 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 learned under. Now the reason I mention that is that's that's relevant. So you don't think that's relevant? That's relevant because with that level of engineering background, that allows me to be a connoisseur of fine engineering. See? Why are you giggling? Why are you giggling? See what? No. I'm a, I appreciate fine engineering. Garrett was, this, was agreed the same day. It's like, oh, man. Okay, I guess it was not in Toyota Corolla. <laughs> it was not at that time. The, uh, it was, it, you, that's an example. That's the, getting back to the idolatry, I walk myself out on a plank of, of problems with things like that, right? Like, that's bad. I mean, I'm heading down, I'm heading down a bad path with thoughts like that, with thoughts like, oh, well, it's not about the fancy car. It's about I'm, I'm just appreciate fine engineering. Some people don't appreciate fine engineering like I do, see, you know. So, so, so that I can justify all while telling you confidently that I don't have a problem with idolatry. So it's, uh, so I probably won't use that term, but, I mean, you can, make that, you can make that case. And what I'm not trying to do is to minimize the sin at hand here does that does that make sense in other words i'm not trying to like say oh I, that idolatry thing that's a much worse thing that i'm talking about no 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 it's the same thing it's the same thing it's it's still the tyranny of things and the trouble that, that things uh, can get us into the um yeah and he was a man without a formal education right 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 i have his bio uh, just a wikipedia version of his bio here if anyone wants to, wants to just wants to see it amazing amazing guy did you had you have you met him did I hear that story? That's awesome. Yeah, right. When we were when we were dating, Ashley was working on it as an internship at a large Metroplex church that I won't name because I'm about to insult them, and um, they they had a forty million dollar addition mm-hmm. that they were working on, and. And I, I never—I mean, it wasn't gold-plated faucets or anything silly like that. It was a nice—it's a nice building. Um, I mean, I've been in it. It's nothing—it's nothing offensive. Um, but I, I was uh, teaching the seniors group at the time, and I remember, without seeing any of the details, without seeing the floor plans, without anything else, I would just, just, just—and I don't have the answer—but I would bring it out as a discussion question: of that building was forty million dollars. Do you think they could have spent thirty-nine million instead? And built a dozen churches in like rural Romania or something or you know you know whatever it would be is like somewhere like man that just doesn't seem just doesn't seem right. Anyway, I'm sorry, that's a little bit off the uh, the point of I but I, I think the right. Is what we're in today. It sounds like sure right, and it, according to the great scriptural source of Wikipedia. Tozer lived a simple and non-materialistic lifestyle. He and his wife never owned a car, preferring bus and train travel. Even after becoming a well-known Christian author, Tozer signed away much of his royalties to those who were in need. That's, that's amazing, especially if you see the, the, the number of books of his published works. I mean, the checks that must have been coming in. And then for that guy to live, and I've read other things about, about how simply he lived. So this is a this is guy... Um, doing what he says, this is a guy who believes it he 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 i, I won 't call it a temptation, but he has to see let 's call it a pleasantness of nicer things sometimes you'd have to see that and he was clearly making a choice no no i 'm guessing it was more uh, almost like an arm 's length thing of like not only no i 'm I'm not going to get close. I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to. Do you see what I'm saying? To me, to me, anyone walking the talk like that in their personal finances, especially back you say back in that era. and I don't know. I don't know what his book royalties during the depression would have been if those matched up or not. But I mean, just in that era, for anyone that's walking away from that level to actually say no to that level uh, of of of, of Royalties while he's living that modestly to me that's just amazing. I mean that's why we that's why you study him. That's why we're talking about him. I mean that's one of those things. You know it's just like, that's amazing. That's 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 the walk and the talk. Um, that's that's a level of commitment. Um, I, I'll tell you now in in week six I will not be asking everyone here who's ready to commit to the Tozer lifestyle of a, of of a modest lifestyle. We will not be not be having that. I'm not sure I'd pass that test. I don't think I would. But we can see it and and admire it, and know that that's what represents someone speaking the truth. Uh, He understands the truth. He he passes it on, and he says, "I'm not even going to be complicated. I'm going to stay arm's length, arm's length from it." Let me see what uh, what's next. Put on your put on your church hat. Put on your church hat for a couple minutes now. We're talking about things, the tyranny of things. Stuff is bad. What's the usual church word that pops into your head? Like, what, what sermon do you expect to be coming out next? Materialism. Materialism. What's the church word for the, what's the bad thing that you want to not have? Uh, I think, oh, that's fancy. That's, <laughs> <Sorry. yeah. laughs> that's, that's the seminary uh, word. I just pride, you know, just the, just the pride. Now, the, um, what I want you to think about uh, over the week is basically how much worse the situation is. And, and we'll, we'll talk a lot about pride, but about how the situation is worse. And what Tozer was talking about is much more than pride. We'll talk about pride, but the tyranny of things is what he's calling. And versus pride. The um, pride is something, I don't know about you all, um, that, that's the second nugget. The first nugget was kind of this call stuff. I mentioned there was two nuggets that I was kind of brewing independently, and they kind of merged at some point. Um, the the second part was actually actually was merit, which we'll get to after pride. It'll make more sense to go in that order. But kind of I got merit first, came back into the pride piece of that. The reason I mention this is that I could have been driving the, the nice car that I I used to when I was single. I had uh, I lived in a high-rise, and part of my lease made sure that I had spaces for my four vehicles down in the garage. Okay, so um, two of which were very new and very German and very nice. And God saw pleasure incorrectly of seeing that taking that ability away—not just taking the cars away, but being like, "Yeah, that was silly. Even not do that." So, so I've been there, had that, I've seen that. In that era, I was a volunteer. I was a volunteer staff member at a, at a, at a church for years. I, I taught the seniors on, on, uh, on Wednesday afternoons for eight years. Uh, I loved the Lord. I knew a lot of these things. I would have told you that, that pride was not a problem. I prayed about those fancy cars before I bought them. Yeah, yeah. It was a sanctified pride. It was a sanctified pride. That was that was that was not my uh, I, that was not my vendor of choice. Oh, okay. These were the the other two vendors, the other two. The uh, um, it was interesting. I did learn something with that. And there's a different aspect of that. But there's a there's a piece of this that I this will come up. We'll talk about this a lot in the next couple of weeks. Since you mentioned it, I, I saw something really interesting. I had again two of the four were very nice, very new, uh, very German, and. uh, one of them had four doors and the other one was a convertible the one the very nice one that had four doors i never saw a christian brother stumble over people were like wow that's really nice well it is nice i enjoy it. years later i get the or a couple years later i get the convertible and i saw brothers stumble with that car i would i would see i could it was a different look in their eyes and it surprised me because I had the first one and never saw that, which makes it easier to get the second one because you're like, oh yeah, I'm not causing a brother to stumble. So so forget the issue of whether I can afford it. Forget the issue of whether it's good or not. In other words, in other words if someone has 20 million bucks in the bank and they have a car that's worth $60,000 or something, that's they can justify that. You know, I'm not going to like, you know, that's their decision kind of thing. Um, but regardless of if they can or can't afford it, regardless of what they're doing in their church, maybe they're giving 90% to their church. God bless them. Even if they're doing that, if something like this causes a brother to stumble, that's another valid reason to not have it. And I saw it in the second convertible version, and it was interesting because I didn't expect it because I'd already had the first one and never saw that. But I I can picture a brother... Uh, getting in the car one like, day, man. I mean, t- take me for riding that, and it was ridiculously fast, and I went ridiculously fast in it to as a quick, you know, blast, you know, and uh, just, you know, probably not not actually going high speed, but just a just probably not going more than 300 yards up the road from the church and back to the church. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. The uh, um, but I mean, I could pick up that this wasn't good. This was I saw the look in the guy's eye. Was, was it was like, oh man, I mean, and it was just like, okay, wait a minute. I just made someone covet something. I just I saw it with my own eyes. Like, so again, you know, and in, in my yeah, but I prayed about it. Yeah, but I can like, okay, wait a minute. All that stuff goes out the window, even if that stuff's fine. So so the there's a regardless of where all our discussion goes on pride and things and everything else. I would say there's always an asterisk out there and that anything that causes a brother to stumble is a problem, right? Now, I don't know. I mean, at some point, you could, you could counter that and you could say, okay, wait a minute. It's a, you've got a seven-year-old Camaro, uh, Camaro, Camry. If that makes somebody stumble, like, dude, that's a reasonable thing to have. I mean, so it's not your fault if someone's going, well, okay, that would be valid. That's not what I'm talking about, though. <laughs> You know that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be this case. So here's the things to think about. Oh, we'll, start, we'll start wrapping up. Here's three things to think about pertaining to pride. And ponder these uh, over the week, and we'll uh, we'll get into these. I think we can have pride in the things themselves, and that's what we. In other words, that's kind of like class A pride. That's what we talk about most of the time. You think about pride, yeah, that's probably kind of what we're talking about. Things as a source of reliance in other words it's something else to think about things um, maybe it's maybe it's things you're not exactly proud of but just any anything that you're reliant upon is going to be something that's going to make toes or twitch and i think that's why he kept himself separated so thoroughly from just stuff i'm just i'm not he's he was going to be separate from uh, from things as a source of reliance. The last one, I think, is the worst one, and I think that's the one that's most insidious, because I think it's everywhere. I think it's in our culture. I think we've all got it in spades, uh, and we don't think about it, and it's it's different. It's uh, things as a source of our self-image. In other words, there are so many ways that things affect how I view myself. In other words, um, you could say, well, um, it doesn't even have to be stuff. It could be your, um, your college. I mentioned my college. It could be your college. You could be like, well, you know, it could be your neighborhood. Well, I don't have, you know, our, our house is modest, uh, but, uh, but fine schools, fine schools in that neighborhood. And now fine schools very often is a nice way of saying these are fairly expensive homes. of kind of works that way, doesn't it, a lot of times. So, in other words, you can separate yourself from a lot of these things without it. And you could say, well, I know there's no pride there, but there's still, it's still part of your identity. Your identity, um, a lot of people would say, and this is kind of one of my, one of my odd quotes regarding the, the fancier cars. Um, somewhere years ago, I, I might have said or had a fleeting thought. I probably, probably would have caught myself before I verbalized it, but had the fleeting thought of, um, Along, you know, along with the cars, oh, well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking pride in this car. I just, I just appreciate fine engineering. And then someone, you, someone if you rebutted and said, no, nah, I think there's a little bit of pride there. I'd say, no, 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 no. Um, no, no, I'm not, I don't think I'm better than that guy. No, I don't think I'm better than that guy at all. I'm more successful. And you'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. You see that? I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's proud. You'd be like, no, no, no. I don't care that I'm more successful. I just happen. No, 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 no. I'm grateful that I'm more successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not proud. I'm grateful that I'm more successful. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Do you see that's that's the that's the plank I'm talking about? It's easy to be walking down that plank, and this is this is this is foul territory, and we don't exactly know uh, uh, we're there because it's just it's just such an easy place to get to. So, in other words, in that era. I was successful guy, and successful guy was my self-image. That's who I was. That was so I didn't even have. It, and, I, and I don't mean flashy guy. I don't mean you know. Okay, I guess I talked about the car already, but other than the cars, the uh, I mean it wasn't flashy. It wasn't. But it was. It was just. It was my self-identity. That was. And I think I think we do that. We can. You can be. You can be hanging around. You can walk into a. Um, uh, you can go to a nice restaurant, um, and uh, if it's a fairly expensive restaurant, I'll, I'll, uh, I'm thinking of one downtown that we go to once every couple of years now. And uh, I, don't mean, I don't mean super expensive, but, uh, the, uh, just, but pretty pricey. Pricey enough that if you see a group of people that are in there, that are there, and they have a meal together there once a week or so, you know that's a pretty successful group. See, see See the? Can you picture that picture? That group, there's a pretty good chance that their success is part of that self identity of that group. They're not proud. They're not snotty about it. But do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see? Do you see that environment? It's the. It's a. It's a. It's a circle. I don't mean an insidious circle. I don't mean these are all bad people. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm talking about how these things sneak into sneak into our behaviors and how, how things sneak into our self-image, that's who they are. Maybe it's, maybe, um, maybe it's a bunch of, bunch of guys that um, go to Idaho. Do is is they have trout fishing in Idaho? Is that right? Am I get that right? That's the right place? The, uh, so they take, the, they take the, the boys' trip to go for fly fishing. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me, if, if a buddy tells me that he's going fly fishing with some other guys for the weekend, you know my first thought is? You're spending a lot of money. And you've got more money than me. And I just received your dig, because I can't do that. <laughs> right? Now, maybe I'm the brother who's stumbling now. but But he may or may not have meant that as a jab, but that stuff becomes a source of identity. That's an identity of a group that I'm not in. Do you see that? Do you see the self-image that comes with that? A lot of this stuff... A lot of the stuff pertaining to things, the stuff that I think would drive toes are crazy, um, is stuff that is so ingrained in the way we do things today. Uh, so, you know, so the same person may say, oh, no, 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 I, oh, I drive a very modest car. You know, yeah, I go fly fishing four times a year. Well, you know, now that's not to say fly fishing is a sin. See that? So that gets back to the, the, that gets back to the, the gray line here. No, there's nothing wrong with fly fishing. It's it's it's, but it's has that become part of someone's self identity? Is there? Are they taking a little pride in that? Perhaps straight up pride. Um, did that guy take a, take some pride when he makes a jab about, you know, uh, yeah, let's go, uh, or yeah, I went fly fishing and you didn't, you know, I don't know. Um, but there's stuff like that. So do you see this? So it's not just about stuff. It's not just about the things. That's a piece of it. But that's I think that's kind of like. The easy step to understand, the pride in the things. The next one is the pride, the, the things as a source of reliance. That doesn't have to be just stuff. That doesn't have to be uh, a $2,000 watch, which this is not. I get a lot of stuff from China through through my business, and I'm always looking for different things to do. We were at a camp out a couple weeks ago with uh, with the kids, and uh, um, one of the dads saw this and said, I like your watch. And uh, my daughter said, it's from China. <laughs> Is she she has no idea the connotation that 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 would, and the guy just kind of looked at me like how would she know that and I'm like no, it, it's she knows it's. so it's pretty funny, but uh so I can honestly say I have uh, I'm I'm uh, yeah I never I never had the fancy watch thing I never I never did that but I think I didn't have didn't have money long enough to, to do that, but uh um, but think about these things, the as the source of reliance and self image particularly. The reliance can be things like a 401K. Like, what's sinful about a 401K? Whoa, I didn't say sinful. Okay, do you see that? Di- that's the difference. That's the gray area we're going into. I'm not talking about things that are sinful, it's, it's, but anything that's, that affects our reliance. If I'm relying on my 401K more than God, if I'm relying on my 401K, you might be able to make the case, if I'm relying on my 401K, well, f- for anything, if I'm not relying 100% on God, than anything else I'm relying on is a, is a problem. So, in other words, this, this is this is the murky water we're heading into. Uh, it's going to be easy to say, um, you know, no five thousand dollars watches uh, in here and no hundred thousand dollars cars in the parking lot. That's easy to say. That's the that's the easy stuff. That's the pride in the things. That's not that's. I think what we're all bitten with is so much deeper than that. You know, I don't, and that's why I think Tozer is talking about the tyranny of things. He's not just talking about Pride. Pride is a nice sermon. We've probably all, in my lifetime, I've probably heard a dozen, dozen, uh, uh, growing up, a dozen different sermons on pride. Um, the, the thing I always joke about is I used to think of pride. I didn't say joke about. It. I mean, I mean it straight up. I used to think of pride as something to be managed, like my margarita consumption. Like uh, you can have some, but you just got to watch it. You just can't have too much. You got to, you got to manage it. Okay. okay. Because, um, yeah, sure, we, we even have the expression, have, take some pride, son. You know, you have the, have the expression in our language. But what I've come to believe is that pr- we are to have zero pride. We can't have any pride in anything. You can check Zechariah 3 will be an example we'll go through next week too on that on why we can't have pride uh, in anything. But it's just it's the concept that we are, I think we're to have zero pride. And when we when we bump into that, we can think about it, and we'll be talking about that. I think of my time up. Yep, time is up. Any, any questions? Do you want to get that book? No, you don't have to. Um, I, I would recommend it if you don't have it. I mean, just as a thing to have. We won't be going through the book. Um, we won't be getting much detail out of it, other than the the, the first couple of chapters. We'll, we'll spend a lot of time in chapter two, but basically. Um, um, tonight was kind of the, the, the biggest part, probably the most Tozer quotes. Uh, were tonight, no need to get it for this. I do highly recommend it. It's the pursuit of God. There's a ton of them. Any other questions for the group? I'll be around for a little bit. Is that making sense? Is that kind of do you see kind of the flow of we're kind of? Feel free my emails uh, stuffs in the directory. Uh, if you have got any questions during the week or anything, otherwise hope to see you. Hope to see you next week. Thanks for coming.